Hey Kevin, thanks as always for having me on. I am Mr. D, the uh, also known as the Skipper Dude, and I'm going to talk today about uh, Vance Joseph, and I'm going to take the unpopular position that I think we need to keep him. And and uh, not that he is Vince Lombardi in the making, or ever will be, but I do believe that he is growing into John Elway's vision of a head coach. And and. Is he out of the woods yet? No, absolutely not. I think that um, you know, Broncos go six and ten this year, maybe seven and nine even, and he's going to be the fall guy. He's going to be the one that uh, gets thrown under the bus. But I do think that um, save a bad finish to this season, I really think that Vance Joseph is the guy going forward. So let's start the discussion today with um, John Elway. Of course, he's the one who hired Vance Joseph and also would fire him. You know, obviously. And then let's talk about uh, John Elway and his vision and what he's thinking with the whole Vance Joseph uh, regime. So number one, I think something that that's, should be fairly obvious, but I'm going to point it out, is that John Elway knows more about football than you do and more than I do. Um, and and he also knows more about what's going on in the locker room um, from guys like Chris Harris and, and Vaughn Miller than anyone do. He knows the whole Broncos culture in, in context. And does that mean he, he has a certain, you know, papal infallibility when it comes to his decisions? No, he can make bad decisions. But I think that uh, one thing we have to just basically keep in mind is that the very fact that John Elway has stuck behind Vance Joseph as long as he has already um, tells you that, that, um, you know, something good's going on, there's some hope for him, and, and that you know, he probably is his guy going forward. So, um, second point I want to make about John Elway is to ask the question, what is the role of the head coach in a John Elway-run football organization? And and I think that it's very important to understand, because it's not necessarily the same as it uh, is in other football organizations, NFL teams. Um it's old school to put it, to put it simply, and what what I like to do is start with a discussion of what the John Elway's vision isn't for the head coaching position, and and who, perhaps of recent memory, would best represent what isn't John Elway's uh, vision, and and the name that comes to mind for me is Chip Kelly, um, you know, obviously uh, came from. University of Oregon to the Philadelphia Eagles back in 2013 with a innovative fast break type of an offense and and um, took over not only the head coaching position and the play calls but also the GM type position that I think at that time it was him and and uh, Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll were the only actual formal GMs who were also head coaches in the NFL so he had final say over the 40 yeah, over the 53 man roster. Uh, the, you know, he was the hottest thing going first year. He had some amazing wins. He went 10 and 6, made it to the playoffs. But as always, it seems to happen anymore in the NFL. Um, advanced scouting is so sophisticated that, that teams just caught up with, with his approach and caught up with his offense. And by 2015, he really had kind of flamed out, bombed out, and he was fired after a 6 and 9 start. And, uh, having left the uh, Eagles covered pretty well bare um, personnel-wise. Of course, the Eagles being a great organization, use that as a kind of a turning point to build the little semi-dynasty that they have now. But but uh, but basically, uh, Chip Kelly 
was really that that kind of authority, that kind of multi-hat um, wearing um, position is just not the head coach that John Elway's looking for. Um, his his vision really is kind of as as an old you know like a Chuck Knoll almost a traditional manager of the staff, a locker room and and game day decision. Somebody who has a very limited scope, um, has a low ceiling. I mean, John Elway's not asking all that much out of his head coach. Um, for the most part, he and Elway and the front office are going to handle personnel decisions and, and the, the general management. And, you know, for, for the time being, Elway has uh, certainly Gary Kubiak to lean on that way. And, and he's going to get, Elway's going to get some input from guys like Vance Joseph, from his head coach. But for the most part, he's going to be making the decisions. He's not looking to his head coach to also be a player personnel GM type of a character. Nor does he want his head coach to be an X's and O's guy necessarily who's calling plays. Um, he, he's going to have a, an, you know, an OC, an offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator who are going to handle the X's and O's and the game planning. And I think that's the way pretty much John Elway has been all along, the exception, of course, being Gary Kubiak, but I don't think he can really, that was the Kubiak area was really just an emergency um, push to get Peyton Manning to the Super Bowl, and, and I don't think you can really count that as being, being part of John Elway's vision. So, so really, here's all John Elway's asking out of his head coach. Number one, assemble a competent staff, okay? Put together good uh, good assistant coaches, you know, good, just basically a, an entirely um, solid staff from, from top to bottom. Manage the locker room. Make sure that the players are, you know, working in harmony, that, that they're getting ready for game day, that um, you, know, you weed out your malcontents, things like that. Um, and then number three, handle the media. And number four, Game day decision making, you know, clock management, replays, key strategic decisions. Um, you know, do you go for it on fourth down? Things like that. And and really, those are those are things that um, Vance Joseph has not mastered yet. But but basically, that might sound very simple in terms of what what John Elway is looking for. It might you know might not sound like much, but um, in today's NFL, you, you have to remember, and I know, Kevin, you like to make this point, that uh, NFL players are not going to throw their, their hearts and, more importantly, their bodies into just any old coach. You, you, it's, it's usually an easy thing to see with a team that's kind of given up on their, on their organization, on their coaches, um, especially late in the season, because they don't tackle as well. And I think you can look at this this um, little spate of, of bad tackling that the Broncos have gone through recently up until last week as being, you know, a, a red flag in terms of, of their buy-in with their coaching staff. So on that front, let's look at how Vance Joseph is doing as, as a head coach of the Denver Broncos. Um, first, and there are plenty of negatives and I think some positives. And I want to take a look at the negatives first because... There are plenty of those. Um, the most disturbing of the negatives is the fact that the defense has quit playing with passion uh, and stopped tackling a couple times now. Um, for an eight-game stretch last year, that's, of course, the most disturbing. 
and then and then uh, also the game with the at the New York Jets, and and I think that um, you know they gave up the the huge number of rushing yards the Rams the next week as well, but but I think you know a lot of teams give up a lot of yards to uh, Todd Gurley, so I, I don't know that you read too much into that one, but but you look at the eight games of last year, um, losing streak and and uh, the Jets game earlier this year, and you say okay. Is this a team really bought into Vance Joseph? Man, eh, maybe, maybe not. Next negative, uh, you look at the Raiders game this year. Um, in my opinion, at least, that was the second game of the year, and it was really the worst coached game of the year after after the uh, the Jets, which was was by far the worst. In that game, if you remember back, um, they, they were they were shut out at halftime. There absolutely no spark. No imagination. It, it gave you kind of got the impression almost watching that first half, especially that Joe Woods and, Mus- and Bill Musgrave spent the week with their feet on the desk, throwing a tennis ball in the air. I mean, it was just it was just the the way it kind of felt. There there was no imagination that went into at all. But you have to ask yourself um, with with that kind of thing going on on both offense and defense. Is it a coincidence that it happened to both sides the same the same week? And and what I what I believe is that that order probably came down from Vance Joseph to go into an insanely conservative game plan. So really, I think that that Raider game, to the extent that the coaching um, game plan was so bad, really falls at Ed VJ's uh, feet and and something he needs to take responsibility for. So. Um, so there's another da- a negative for, for Vance Joseph. The next one is um, the, the deer in the headlights, the other negative, the deer in the headlights look that, that you still kind of get from, from Vance Joseph. You're watching him on the sidelines and not as bad as last year, I suppose. He's gotten a little bit better that way. But, and it might be one of those things that it's a little bit more meaningful to us fans than it is to the players. Because, I mean, how many players are, you know, looking their coach in the face during during a game? Although, there's probably something to it, but but that actually means more than you might think it does, just to the culture, to the identity of a team. And think about for a minute, Bill Cowher um, back in the day. If you remember back to um, him as the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach, and and he always had this scowl on his face. You know, he'd smile and his lips would would turn down almost in a frown. And, and, you know, something positive would go on. And he's like, yes, you know, and he's, he's, he's just as excited as can be. And, and, and uh, he's so emotional on the sidelines. But it helped to define who that Pittsburgh Steelers team was. And, and uh, they, they played with a certain passion, and they really kind of reflected their coach. Um, if for any of you old-timers like me, you might remember Tom Landry, who was at the extreme other end of the spectrum, he, who was as stoic as any coach you'll ever see in the silent almost never showed any emotion whatsoever. And, and, but he had a team that um, kind of reflected that as well. Very consistent. You know, they, they went to a lot of Super Bowls, um, very great, solid, professional, consistent team. So, so that, that look of, of Vance Joseph on the sidelines, especially the deer in the headlight gives the impression of, a, a coach not in command, not in control. And and I think that he is getting better, but it's something that continues to be a bit of a problem, and I'm going to mark it up to, to just age and experience. And then finally, 
the last negative for VJ is um, he's had some terrible game day management so far. And, and again, I think that this is just a matter of, of growing a little bit and maybe getting the, the confidence of all, all of the people around him who, who are the big decision makers. I go back to um, the Baltimore game where he, he threw a challenge flag. If you remember this, he threw a challenge flag on, on a first down um, little out pattern for, for Baltimore and guy picks up eight yards and, and it looked to me like he was came down out of bounds, but he throws a challenge flag and, you know, you had to ask, and even the announcers were asking. So even if you win the win the appeal, you got second and ten rather than second and two. What have you gained? And you've lost one of your challenges, you know. And he ended up losing it. But but he looked like a real idiot. And I think that you still have a lot of that kind of immaturity going on with him. And it's just something that we have to kind of work through as as Bronco fans. So. I know that for us and for me, watching these games week to week, and you know, here we are, Bronco fans. We've been to the Super Bowl eight times in our history, and and we're only really satisfied with Super Bowl wins. And we see all these negatives, and they seem fatal. They they, they seem like, you know, it's it's um it's time to march VJ out out and uh, get somebody new because you know he's just not getting it done. But for Elway. I think he's taking more of a long-term look and a long-term approach. And he sees all this weakness, these weaknesses too. I mean, he's not blind. And I think for him, they're more akin to just growing pains. And for, for you look at some of the, even some of the, the uh, legendary head coaches of all time, Bill Walsh and Mike Shanahan and Bill Belichick. And early in their careers, all three of them were terrible. I mean, Mark, Mike Shanahan was fired in, in Oakland, of all places, um, you know, per- perhaps some politics back there, but but uh, Bill Belichick um, spent a year and a half, I think it was, in in Cleveland and was absolutely terrible. Um, so so just because BJ is off to a slow start does not necessarily mean that he's going to be a a bad coach longer term. So with that, let me talk about the positives with VJ because I think there's plenty of those as well. Um, number one is in my estimation, he does own up to mistakes and, and that's a good sign because I mean, a lot of times your, your head coaches who are just extremely arrogant are not going to own up to their mistakes. and They're going to make it the same ones over and over again. And that's eventually what's going to get them fired. But and think about, think about that Raider game again and, and the, uh, the way they played the, their cornerbacks, what was it? Eight yards off the line of scrimmage and just let Derek Carr pick them apart all day long. And and at least if nothing else, he did come out and he owned up to the fact that they had a bad game plan that way. And, and you can be sure that if he's owning up to it, that behind the scenes he's making sure that it doesn't happen again. And, and it may not seem like much, but it, but it really... But it really is meaningful, I think. Um, underutilizing Royce Freeman is another one that that uh, you know he he's owned up to. Now he hasn't fixed that yet, but I think that there are other issues with the offense there. They've got to get um, they got to get the box broken up a little bit and get get people respecting Case Keenum before Royce Freeman is going to really get any any real yardage um, as a running back. So 
Um, th that's one. Is he owns up to a mistake. Second is the the team, and this was real meaningful to me. They played with heart after that eight game losing streak, and this really kind of surprised me. I mean, I they, they they lose eight in a row, their season's over, and I really thought that they were just going to coast into the end of the year, and uh, they didn't. They 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 came back. And, and they played some really good games, and and that kind of to me dovetails with the the rumor that's on the street that that John Elway met with some of the players after the year was over, and probably some of the the big names like Derek Wolf and you know Chris Harris and Von Miller, and they all chose. They gave him. I think he gave them the option of letting VJ go, and they all chose to keep him. And and the fact that they did come back after that long losing streak and play hard, and the fact that the players didn't turn thumbs down on them, you know, speaks well for them. They, they played, the, the Broncos this year have played tough against Kansas City and the Rams, two of the teams they were supposed to get blown out by. And really, if you think about it, they, they had the badly coached game um, against the Raiders, in my mind. They had the horrible game where they just er melted down in every possible way against the Jets. But other than that, they have not played that badly. I mean, they were close to winning in Baltimore in the game that the referees decided beforehand that Baltimore was going to win. And so, really, they've played mostly some pretty good games um, this year. And then finally, the last one. I think this is interesting. Think about what Vance Joseph did in, in the aftermath of Von Miller's donkey-kicking um, comments. You know, he, Von Miller comes out and says, we're we're gonna kick uh, we're gonna kick Arizona's donkeys right, and and Va Vance Joseph chose to say nothing, nothing. Okay, you can be certain that after Vaughn's comments that that he had he had microphones stuck in his face saying, "Hey, what do you think about about Vaughn's comments?" You know, and would have been very especially for a guy with his with his job on the line. How easy. Would it have been for him to walk those comments back? Oh, it's just Vaughn being Vaughn. You know, um, apologies to the Arizona organization. We didn't mean to diss them or, or whatever it was. And he so easily could have watered down Vaughn Miller's comments, but he didn't. He, he, he showed, in, in my mind, some, some amazing maturity in terms of letting that go and, and having it achieve exactly what it was meant to achieve which was to light a fire under his team at exactly the time a fire needed to be lit. So I give him a lot of credit for that. He, he really absolutely could have fouled up that whole, that whole turn of events, and he didn't. And, and so, you know, good on him there. So now, negatives, positives. The question is, where do we go from here with, with Vance Joseph? And, and what I would say is that, you know, there's no doubt – he is still on the hot seat. Um, I think Elway may allow one more New York Jets-type game, another meltdown, without taking immediate action on the coaches. But you know, for for I, I feel pretty confident that three strikes and he's out. I mean, if it happens two more times, then it's probably Woods and um, Woods and Vance Joseph. If you look at, at what happened with Arizona, you, you can't have a game like Arizona just played with us this last week and not fire somebody. And that's what they did exactly with by firing Mike McCoy. So OCs, your, your offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators are basically disposable. Um, and, and they're usually good targets to, to be 
let go when when things go rough. Um, and and Joe Woods is underachieving with with what should be a fairly. You got some gaps um, in your secondary, but this is a this is still a talented defense. And and Joe Woods is is underachieving. My guess is he's gone before Vance Joseph is. And and uh, I think Mus- Bill Musgrave is is pretty safe. He he's um he done an okay job. He's not done a great job, but he's also the logical choice as a temporary head coach if if VJ's gone. So I think much it's going to be Joe Woods who takes the fall the next time you have a New York Jets type of of meltdown, and certainly if there are two more. So if I'm trying to get into John Elway's head at this point and thinking what is he thinking what as relates to Vance Joseph and and my thought is that. Elway put together a team with 10 and 6 talent, maybe 9 and 7 talent. He knows with Case Keenum as his quarterback that he was probably, you know, maybe you can get catch fire in the bottle and 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 make the Super Bowl, but odds are pretty good this is not really a Super Bowl team and and probably not really even a contender either. Um but but they should be able to at a minimum go 8 and 8, if not 9 7 10 and 6. And if they can't go that well, then it's on the coaches. And I think that after the season's over, that's when, you know, Bloody Monday after uh, the season is over is probably when you'll see you'll see the uh, the axe fall. And if you're looking for signs as to whether whether you know Vance Joseph is is long for this world, look at the effort, um, look at the tackling, and, and look at all the the game plan creativity to mature as the season goes along that's to me really the sign uh and, and it's not unusual but that's the sign of whether this team is is really serious about throwing their hearts and throwing their bodies behind vj and and trying to to move forward you know in a in a competitive way though so finally your your rookie coaches are are very much like rookie rookie players in that um you know you're going to have a highs and lows you're going to see sparks you're going to see you're going to see um rookie mistakes things you know teams figuring out their tendencies all kinds of issues um, that comes come with being a rookie and and i think we saw those last year with with fiji especially during the eight game losing streak all kinds of different problems and you're seeing a little bit of a recurrence of him this year, but I think he's he's starting to work through them. Um, but but really, by the end of the season, this season, I think that the the rookie mistakes excuse goes away. He he's got to be he's got to be achieving and in coaching at, at a competitive level and having his team ready to play basically every week. And and I think what we need to see out of him is. Heading down the home stretch, are they in a position where they are at least fighting for the playoffs? They're fighting hard. They're they're tackling. They're coming up with good game plans, and and they are you know they're they're playing their hearts out. And and I think you see that. And to me, that tells me that that you know Vance Joseph has probably survived another season and even matured, and and becoming the head coach very slowly, but becoming the head coach that John Elway wanted him to be. So Kevin, with that, I'm going to throw it back to you and I'll let you wrap it up. Thanks a lot.